You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. We're starting to bounce back a little bit as an offensive unit the last couple of days of scrimmage, but the D-line's been great. The DBs have, you know, a ton of confidence. You know, I've spoke on, on this a ton, but um, I'm really excited for them this year. They look like a, a real good group right now, a new group, new confidence, and uh, I'm excited for them and for us, our team. And we're four and eight until we prove it differently. You guys, you guys better play with the chip on your shoulder. We better not come out flat because until we win on, on you know, October 31st or September 7th or whenever the games are, we're still a four and eight football team, and that's what everyone perceives you as right now. So it's time to prove people wrong. And welcome here to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, as we are in now almost the dog days of fall camp as Nebraska's crossed almost the halfway point here. We're about two weeks away from the season opener against South Alabama. And a couple of storylines here to get to out of the gates uh, from what really is the second full week of fall camp for the Huskers. Number one, Jakeem Green made it to Lincoln. He's on campus going through practice Looks like a guy that could help Nebraska. It'll be more of an interesting thing to see kind of where he's at physically on that end. JoJo Doman has been on the practice field for Nebraska after uh, rejoining the team this past Friday, was in full pads. Uh, Nebraska looks to be adding as well another transfer player, uh, Jake, or excuse me, Zach Schlager out of McCook, uh, the linebacker from Colorado State, scholarship player, leaving the scholarship to walk on at Nebraska. Did I miss anything, Robin and Nate? I know there's been a lot that's happened um, this week, but uh, those are kind of some of the major topic points that have kind of played out here as the weeks come to an end. Yeah, the only other one would be uh, the looming return of Cam Jurgens to 100% availability. Um, still, uh, you know, working his way back off that injury, but sounds like uh, relatively soon here he's going to get thrown, you know, fully into the mix. And uh, he's the guy that you know a lot of people pegged as the you know projected starter you know, as long as he could stay healthy. And if he's you know good enough to go full practice, then um, that might change the complexion of that center competition over the next you know week and a half of fall camp. Yeah, one other one would be Ronald Tompkins. Mm. Um, making making his appearance on, on the 110, and um, we were able to see him go through practice a little bit early. They're high on, on him, on Nate. Wednesday. Yeah, I mean, well, I'll tell you what. I mean, he looked really good in drills. Obviously, you know, he was just in uh, in a shirt and shorts. as he Underwear, gets, as yeah, Eric Shenander would say. Exactly, going through <laughs> the acclimation period, but um, not wearing any knee braces uh, on his on his knees that he's had injured um, in the past, but – but he looked he looked really good in, in drills and everything that we saw. So um, yeah, that's just yet another body in that uh, in that running back stable for Ryan Held. Either you're a big knee brace guy as a staff, or you're not. And you get the sense this staff is not a big. We've had staffs in Nebraska where everyone's worn like dang near ten pounds of knee braces, and uh, to the line that they don't wear those anymore, do they, Nate? No. So yeah, it used to be, you know, I think under the, the Callahan regime, yeah, especially under Callahan, um, every, if you were a lineman, offense, defense, whatever, you had to wear knee braces all the time. It did not matter. Um, yeah, they, every, every lineman had two sets of knee braces. They were heavy. Yeah. And, and they are heavy. And, and I know, especially the defensive linemen, they hated that because it felt like you were really restricted and, and obviously, um, you know, some of those guys are not used to, to wearing those and it, and it kind of holds you back. So, uh, but yeah, this staff, you know, I think that, uh, I think they, they don't want guys to be restricted. They want guys to go out and make plays and, and feel comfortable. Now, Jakeem Green, this one interests me just because we got a chance to see him in practice without pads on. And let me tell you, he, he's, he's got a pretty good frame. And 
Um, I joked on a couple other shows this week. He reminds you when when we go on those bowl trips to in Nebraska, played like Georgia or South Carolina or Tennessee from the SEC, and you just see big defensive linemen walking around the hotels. And and and, Jake, and Jakeem Green looks like one of those types of guys because he should be in the SEC. He wouldn't be at Nebraska if the math class he was taking would be allowed in the SEC. And they get a real steal here, Robin and. They're not dismissing the fact that Jakeem Green could play. And I, I think it's a real battle. Do you say, well, all right, we can get maybe 15 quality snaps a game out of him now, redshirt him, develop him, and down the road, could he get 40 snaps a game for two years? And I think it's going to be a real debate to decide kind of what path to go with Jakeem Green. It will be a debate, and a lot of it is going to hinge, one, on how quickly uh, Jakeem can get up to speed on the defense. I mean, I'm sure defensive line is – maybe one of the easier positions to, to catch up on. Um, but also, you know, what the rest of that defensive line is going to do. I mean, they already had a pretty substantial amount of veteran depth on that group to where, you know, unless Jakeem comes out and is clearly head and shoulders the best player on the team or on that group, um, maybe you, you just hold back a little bit, play him in his four games, preserve that year of eligibility. So when the Davis brothers move on, when Darian Daniels moves on, you know, you have a guy that is a clear-cut, bona fide starter ready to hit, hit the ground running with two years of eligibility left. That, In my opinion, that's probably the smart move, but if Jakeen comes in there and sets the world on fire and is, like I said, uh, the best player on that defensive line, I don't think you have a choice. You have to play him because this is a year where um, you got to take full advantage of this opportunity. Yeah, you got to win football games, and if he can come in and help you win football games, then I think you have to play him. I know from the, from the coach's perspective, I'm sure <laughs> – being able to play him in four games and, and save that year of eligibility, that would be ideal. Uh, but I tell you this, I mean, Jakeem Green did not come to Nebraska to redshirt and then have two more years. I mean, he came to play and make an impact right away. And, um, you know, he, he thinks that he's an NFL type of talent. And, um, you know, I, I, he certainly looks the part. Uh, you know, The from, lower body. Yeah, I mean, shoot. Yeah. He's got a trunk on him. Yeah. I mean, and, and for – they said he came in at 327 pounds. Well, he carries 327 as good as yeah. – is. And he's he, not missing he leg day. And no. he moves. Like, he, he was doing stuff like where they were like, taking out his feet and he was, like, getting down on the ground. His mobility for that size is incredible. Yeah. It's, so, I mean, the, like you said, Sean, this is a guy that had offers from Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina, Tennessee. Um, I mean – all those SEC teams wanted him, and, and they didn't recruit him to come in and, and redshirt either. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. But I, I was I was surprised, pleasantly surprised by how he looked. I mean, obviously didn't it didn't look like he'd been sitting at home in South Carolina um, eating chips on on the couch all, all all day every day. I mean, it looked like he'd been uh, you know putting some work in. So so we'll see what happens. And th just through our experience, you know, with JUCO guys, it's been 20 good years of kind of watching JUCO guys come and go. I think you almost know almost day one, week one, what you're getting. I mean, like Levante David, Randy Gregory, you knew when Maurice Purify, you knew when these guys got to Lincoln and just looked at them. Carl Nix, you're like, oh, gosh, yeah, we don't have a guy that looks like him. And I, I think Jakeem is in that camp where there have been other Juco guys that have come here before, and you watch the Juco film and you get excited, and they get here with the rest of the Husker players, and you're kind of like, okay, maybe – Let's kind of tread water here a little bit before we get too carried away. I think Jakeem Green could be more in that Randy Gregory, Levante David, 
Diedrich Mills, Maurice Purify, where you know this guy is going to be a player here. Yeah, I agree. And that's, I mean, before he even practiced his first practice as a Husker, Eric Shenander saying that he could challenge for a starting job. So clearly the coaching staff has very lofty expectations for him, and that's why they made him such a priority to get him here. And uh, I don't see any reason why he can't be a factor. And um, maybe push for a starting job. I mean, if it seemed like we kind of had that defensive line set in stone. They got their top six set right now. But, I mean, Jakeem Green is a difference maker. And if he I mean, if he ends up panning out uh, to this level of hype that's already been set for him, uh, it's going to be very difficult to keep him off the field. It's more, Nate, what's a matter of worth burning the redshirt for? Is 15 to 20 good snaps a game worth it? I mean, is that a difference from winning the Big Ten West? Yeah, well, and, and the thing about it is I, I think he can play multiple positions up yeah, front. Yeah, insider, and Shenander said that. Yeah, and so, you know, if you're able to, to keep the nose tackles fresh and, and help keep the ends fresh by inserting Jakeem Green in there and rotating those guys, you know, the, in the long run, by the, by the time the, the meat of your schedule, especially the Big Ten West, you know, when you're, when you're facing uh, Iowa at the end of the season, if those guys are fresh – I mean, that can make a huge difference. And, and so, I, you know, I, I think Jakeem Green looks like a guy that's going to probably play. Um, you know, again, we'll, we'll see. Uh, he obviously wasn't in pads or anything today or when we were able to see him. So, um, you know, the jury's still kind of out. But just off of looks um, alone, I think that he's a guy that, that looks like a difference maker. All right, when we come back, we're going to continue this discussion of fall camp. Next, you're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Once he can get with us, then it's it's we're going to try to use up as much time as we can. You know, obviously right now to our advantage, we don't we're not restricted by the 20-hour rule. So this is a great opportunity for him to try to catch up as much as he can to close the gap on the guys. And first thing is is get himself in shape, but then he's got to learn the playbook and the technique. So he's got a lot of work to do to catch up. I mean, there's a lot of practices, a lot of meetings that he's missed, but we've got everything in place to try to help him close the gap so he can come out and help us because he's he's definitely big and he's athletic. So he's someone that we definitely can use. And welcome back here to the Husker Online show here, as that was defensive line coach Tony Tuioti giving his early take on Jakeem Green uh, as he made his way into practice as this segment of the Husker Online show brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill with five locations in Omaha, one here in Lincoln. We're getting to that time of year, a lot of NFL preseason football on, baseball. Uh, you'll have college football on here in another week, so get on into any one of those Tanner's locations, get some wings, beer, uh, they have everything um, at Tanner's, and check them out. And thanks again for being one of our sponsors here on the Husker Online Show, guys. But as, as we shift the discussion here, Nebraska held their first scrimmage last Sunday. Their second major scrimmage is expected to be Saturday here before another off day. And, and that's really it. I mean, the, the, the camp blueprint is traditionally two big scrimmages, and Nebraska will have their, their big one coming up here. But – you know, as you size up this team, Robin, and, and look at things, I mean, a few things jumped out from that first scrimmage, but, uh, you know, Maurice Washington, from what I could tell, was a real standout, and I don't hear very many conversations involving the offense where Wandell Robinson's name is not brought up. Yeah, I mean, and I think those guys are exactly what they were expected to be. I mean, they Maurice, are what we thought they yeah, were. Yeah, exactly, and Maurice Washington, to, I mean, to his credit, um, he had a – tumultuous offseason to say the least and uh from all reports we haven't talked to him obviously and that's on purpose uh but he's just done his job he stayed focused you know that's one of the things ryan held said earlier this week was um you know he's been extremely dialed in this year and or this fall uh which you know i don't know if necessarily was always the case with him um and he uh, he's 
you know, thriving as a result of it. You know, we in the few glimpses we've seen, um, he doesn't necessarily look bigger, but everyone that's played against him, you know, especially the defenders that have had to try to tackle him, say that he's fast, faster than he was a year ago. And he was pretty dang fast a year ago. Uh, so that just kind of speaks to just how dynamic of a piece he could be in this offense whenever he's able to to take the field for them in, in a game. And so uh, you combine that with what we know with J.D. Spielman, with Wandale living up to the hype uh, as a true freshman. And then, of course, Adrian Martinez running the show. Um, there's weapons abound on this offense. And you know, that they talked about kind of that first scrimmage they had uh, last weekend. Uh, the offense scored on its first three possessions against the defense. And that kind of shows you uh, just how potent that unit could be when everything is clicking and all their weapons are at their disposal. Yeah, you can, if you can get out to an early start in all your games like that, that would, that's a huge advantage. Right? Going back to Maurice Washington, um, you, you had to think that he was pri- you know, kind of primed to make a big jump because he was making waves as a true freshman this time last year, and he literally showed up to campus the day before fall camp started. So now that he n- understands what he's doing out there and not just going off pure athleticism you had to figure that he, he was going to be uh be looking pretty good and, and he has so far so um yeah it's just it's crazy when you when you look at all the weapons um I don't know if you if you mentioned Ramir Johnson mm-hmm. but you know he's a, he's another guy that is has kind of stepped out and, and and done some nice things so um but I think Adrian Martinez obviously is the x factor you've heard everybody uh talk about Adrian and and just how you know just how good he is how special he is really um, and how how well he's taking care of the football I mean he did pretty good as a true freshman but I think we're going to see you know if you're going to see a a big jump from year one to year two it's probably going to be I think with uh, with how well he's taking care of that football yeah it's just such a different narrative guys um, when you look at this offense from a year ago I mean last year at this time there's still a thought that Tristan Jebbia could win the job nobody knew for sure that it was going to be Adrian Martinez yet at this point. I mean, there was a strong Jebbia camp out there still at this time. And now, obviously, you know he's the guy. He's a Heisman contender. He's an all-Big Ten preseason type of guy. And it's his football team. And, you know, for example, now when he dresses the media, he's the podium up front. They don't have him do the side things. I mean, he has seen just his stature and level of respect in this program grow so much he does not have an enemy in that locker room when you when you're around that guy I don't know if I've seen very many young players like Adrian Martinez that have been this well respected by coaches by players by fans by media everybody loves Adrian Martinez it's universal uh, even opponents I mean guys that he has to play <laughs> not against. Iowa fans well even Iowa they uh, got mad at that little that little deal when he kind of did the score oh, yeah, they're well, they're rustled by well, that still Nate Stanley uh and Adrian bonded pretty well at that Manning Academy too so I mean it's <laughs> Say what you want, but that just goes to show you how crucial it is to have a guy like that at the quarterback position. I mean, you can have young leaders on your team, but when you have a guy that not only has the ability of Adrian Martinez, but the personality and the charisma and the maturity and all of those leadership qualities at that position, it sets the tone for your entire team and your entire locker room. And we have seen exactly that play out over the course of this entire offseason. Like you said, it is Adrian's team, and you have seniors, defenders that look up to Adrian Martinez on and off the field. And he backs it up with his play. Uh, you know, the guys try to frazzle him, and he doesn't uh, waver 
pressure whatsoever. Uh, and all he does is go out there and run the show, make plays, and is the consistent guy that they need him to be day in, day out. And um, I think when you have someone like that in that position, um, that's why you see the entire team have a, have a different swagger about him. You know, that's kind of natural with year two. Everybody's more comfortable, uh, you know, feeling better than they were just in that transition year of year one. But when you combine um, all that with having Adrian Martinez and how good he can be and everybody how knows how good he can be, that just makes everybody feel a little bit better uh, about themselves and what this season could be. Well, the crazy thing is, is usually in year two, you can still kind of poke a hole in, in someone's game and say, well, this is their weakness. This is what they really have to work on. You know, this could be their Achilles heel. Well, I don't know what you could necessarily say about Adrian that that is his weakness or, or something that could be durability. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just can can he go through a full season, Nate, twelve games healthy? Yes, yeah. you know he got hurt in high school, and then obviously last year, but that was not on him. I mean, Colorado was dirty with how yeah, he yeah, got that hurt. Was, yeah. That was can can he Outside avoid Colorado alligator rolling his ankle <laughs> in the bottom of? A pile? I can't wait for that week. Yeah, it's going to be good. That's going to be real good. I mean, it's going to be. Hair standing up on the back of the net, good. Just when you're in that stadium and that, I mean, it's just special. I mean, even in our job, you, you got to like, man, there's going to be 30, 40,000 Nebraska fans in Boulder that day. It's going to be, we have a lot of fun getting ready for that game. Yeah. But so, yeah, I Sorry. guess going back to Adrian Martinez. <laughs> I got a little too excited about Boulder in yeah, a few but weeks. That's, that's a legit thing that, you know, Nebraska's season rides on Adrian Martinez. And if Adrian Martinez can stay on the field, they're going to be very good. But if he has to miss any significant time, uh, then you look at that, who's up next at the quarterback position. And so the good news is they feel significantly better about the quarterback depth than they did a year ago. I mean, you have guys that have played in games and, um, you know, freshman and Luke McCaffrey, who's apparently uh, emerging as one of the, the smartest young quarterbacks Mario Verduzco's ever coached. And so I think that there's a lot more to work with behind Adrian, but there you cannot say it enough. Adrian Martinez is the guy that's going to take this team to where it could potentially be, and they need him to stay healthy. Yeah, they need him to stay healthy. But and you look at him too, and he looks like he's going to be able to be a much more durable oh, he's player. Big. He is big. I mean, and he's added some some really some good weight. Yeah, just um, look at pictures from him yeah, from like last year, last year and during fall camp to now. I mean, it's a huge difference. <laughs> he looks like a big. He's built like a linebacker. I know. Yeah, like he could. He's like a probably legit two twenty five, two thirty right now. Mm hmm. And, and he does it the right way. I mean, it's good weight. His arms are bigger. He's gotten more explosive. Make him more durable well, in the run game. Think how limited he was lifting weights coming off a of shoulder surgery. Yeah, I mean, you true. you just can't. I mean, I'm guessing even doing running because your shoulder is you know in place. You can't even do a lot of running and can do, so. He had a big recovery to get to this point, and you know his arm. And Nate, you remember when he first got here, his throws didn't have a lot of mustard on it at no. first. I mean, it took a while. Um, for you know those throws to kind of get to where they need to be, and, and now he's got NFL type throws. Yeah, I mean, when you, you listen to what guys like Kenavai Noah are are talking about, you know who you know Noah played with Jared Goff at, at Cal as a freshman, and uh, when he says that that Martinez has the same type of velocity on his passes that Goff did, but the main difference is that that Martinez you know can can do things on the run, can throw off his back foot, and, and can make all these throws and, and accurately make all those throws. I mean, that's that's pretty high praise. Um, and you have to remember, you're talking about a sophomore. All right, when we come back, we're going to shift over to basketball. As Nebraska now back from Italy, they went 4-0, and and they won the championship over there. We'll get Robin's take on, on the big 4-0 uh, Italian trip next year. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. 
This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, talking Nebraska basketball as the Huskers wrapped up a perfect 4-0 record on their Italian trip. And, um, you know, Robin, that trip to Italy, it went fast. I mean, it felt like they just got over there, but um, they're already back now in Lincoln. Um, was it an 11-day trip? Yeah, the 3rd through the 13th with two days of travel. So technically they were there for about like nine full days with four, two days of travel. Four games, none of them really close at all. One of them. They only won by three their third game. Oh, okay. But in general, I mean. But they were up 26 at halftime in that game. So it's a little different story. They're missing some key players for Nebraska as well. I mean, it's just you can go in so many different directions yeah. But it's encouraging they went 4-0. I mean, that's, that's all you have to say, really. I mean, who cares about the team they played? I mean, right. I, I think when you look at this, Robin, you know, the, the fact that they got off to a promising start to build chemistry and confidence, I mean, that's what you got to look at, right? Right. You don't look at the – I mean, I don't care about the scores. I don't care about the, the, the box scores or any of the stats. I mean, those are all just kind of superlatives right now because uh, the main theme of this trip was just these guys becoming a team. And so – Yes, it's encouraging that not only did they go 4-0, but they played pretty darn well um, you know, in their first live competition together as, as one team. Uh, but also I think the grand uh, overlying theme of it was you know, these guys became friends. They became teammates. Uh, you know, a lot of them had hardly even been in the same room together before this trip. Uh, and, and so, I mean, just getting the ball rolling in that regard uh, was so valuable and such a um, you know, pleasant, uh, I guess, uh, opportunity uh, for year one to have not only that trip, but the 10 additional practices before it. Uh, so much value there. But uh, yeah, Nebraska played well. I mean, they whipped the teams they were supposed to whip. Uh, and that close game that I was referring to, that was against a Lithuanian professional team um, that plays in the NBL out there in whatever European league that uh, is a good league, and they finished fourth a few years ago. And, you know, they're grown men. You know, grown men, they have former United States players that are playing over there. And so they, uh, the first game, their second game overall, they, they play that Lithuanian team back-to-back two straight days. And so the first game, Nebraska beat that team by 25 points. And then 22 hours later, they have a rematch and jump out to a 26 or so halftime lead. And then they finally, for the first time, had some adversity. And you know, they, they watched that lead dwindle all the way down to three points in the final seconds. But to their credit, they found a way to get it done. They found a way to win the game. And you know, for one of the, the um, complaints that Hoybury had about his team early on during those 10 practices was he wasn't sure how they were going to handle it when things weren't going their way. And obviously in that first game, they cruised over essentially an Italian high school all-star team. And then they blew up or blew out that Lithuanian team in the first game. So there was really no pressure or no real adversity to overcome until that third game in the second half, when things kind of started to unravel on them. They went away from uh, you know the, the game plan and tried to do some hero one-on-one ball. And it almost blew up in their face. But Again, that's, I think, one of those things you can point to as you go into the season and say, remember this? Remember what happened when, you know, we, we times got tough and we had to figure it out? We did it. And so I think when you come back and you know, they're going to have some time off before they get uh, re- resume practices later in September, uh, you know, I think that is a, a huge kickstart to a very important offseason of just establishing uh, a culture within this team, establishing relationships and uh, guys just knowing how to play together and how each other work on and off the court. When you look at it, Robin, I mean, is, is there any personnel takes that you left 
where you're like, okay, I didn't really know this, but this, this is encouraging. And then, yeah, we talked off air about this. I know you're worried about the physicality and maybe the size of this team, how they can match up with a 20 game big 10 conference schedule. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be the issue for them all year long. They're just, they're not big and they don't have a lot of post depth. Uh, and so rebounding and post defense are going to be an issue for them all year. And that's no secret. I mean, you just look at the makeup of their roster. Um, it's pretty clear that's going to be an issue, but the good news is they have ways to counteract it. Uh, you, I mean, they, they were able to stream the first game they played and you kind of got a glimpse of the level of tempo and pace that Hoiberg wants to play with. And now not only are they going to play fast, but they have shooters. I mean, Matei Kavas was really impressive. Uh, Samari Curtis was impressive. Uh, Deshaun Burke, I think, led the team in scoring. So they have a lot of different options that can uh, you know, br- bring a lot to the table offensively. And so what they're going to give up uh, on the glass and maybe uh, in the post on defense, I think they can make up for with their perimeter shooting and just their overall skill on the offensive end. And so you saw that. I mean, games were close early on. You know, they're kind of getting beat on the boards and in the glass. And then they would just run away from teams. You know, the, the momentum would shift in their side, and they would put their foot on the pedal and just run away. Uh, and so I think that is going to be when this team is good, is when they're active, creating turnovers on defense, you know, not allowing um, the, the size discrepancy to be an issue, and creating offense, you know, off those turnovers and pushing the pace and really dictating uh, the tempo of a game and wearing teams down. Uh, and so I think that's going to be certainly uh, something they're going to have to lean on because if they do get into a slowed down half court game, they're going to be at a real disadvantage. And three players, right, were not in Italy with Nebraska? Four, I guess, were inactive. Uh, so um, Derek Walker, uh, the Tennessee from transfer, uh, who's going to sit out this season. Uh, traveled with the team but didn't play because he's still kind of dealing with a, a lingering injury situation. Um, and then uh, Cam Mack. <laughs> so he finally gets cleared. Uh, he, he passed that last class from his junior college and is finally ready to go. Misses all 10 practices. And then just before the team is ready to go to Italy, he comes down with what is um, presumed to be a bad case of food poisoning and uh, is in the hospital for several days and has to miss the trip. So they're without... Well, who many project to be their starting point guard. Uh, and then uh, a call a rope uh, didn't get his paperwork finished in time to, to be able to uh, travel with the team. And he had to stay back in Lincoln. And then uh, Yvonne Wade-Rogo uh, was with uh, the French national team uh, playing in the FIBA European Championships in Greece. And he, he didn't play at all. In fact, he never even made it over to Italy, which they were going to try to get him over there. Uh, turns out that just for whatever reason didn't work out. So there's four scholarship players that they were without. Um, and so, you know, they had to turn to some walk-ons and um, opened up a window for a guy like Charlie Easley to have a real nice week. Uh, and so, you know, uh, that, that kind of further uh, emphasizes how well they played, the fact that not only was this their first live action together, but they were doing it without some pretty important pieces. What's next now, Robin? It, they get back to Lincoln. Um, I mean, yeah, there's really not a lot. Of, can they do a lot of organized things at this dude, point? No, nope, no, nope, they're off, and guys are going back home for a little bit. Uh, and then I think so. Obviously, the fall semester starts here at the end of the month. Twenty six. Yeah, and then the start of fall workouts for basketball, I believe, is in late September. And so I think they're going to have about a, a month, month and a half here. Um, they're going to go home for a little bit and then come back for the start of school, um, get their academics kind of in line, ready to roll. And then, in you know, like I said, about a month and a half towards the end of September, 
uh, the practices for the start of the actual season will kick back up. And everybody's going to be here. Um, Yvonne Wade-Rogo is going to be here. Uh, Cam Mack will be fully cleared, ready to go. Uh, so, you know, all hands will be on deck for the first time. Well, it'll be lots to follow here, and everyone's looking forward to, obviously, things getting going. But it was nice to get a little appetizer um, just for you to get a taste, especially, Robin, because there's so many. I mean, I if, if they didn't have this trip, you'd be kind of walking into October, November pretty blind. Sure, yeah, and we got to watch the one practice, you know, and got to see a little bit uh, of these guys in, in the game situation. So at least we have a better idea of what – Year one under Fred Hoiberg could actually look like as opposed to going in completely blind. All right, when we come back, Husker Online intern Allie Snow will join us in studio. We'll take your questions next in the mailbag. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Every day he comes out there and he's ready to go. He's got a smile on his face. I mean, you're not tackling that guy with one arm, I can tell you. I mean, he is a, a missile down, you know, hitting that thing. Um, I just got to tighten him up on some of the outside stuff that we do in our offense. But the pile is moving back when he gets the ball. And, you know, that's what we need. You got to have a guy like that in this league just because of how physical it is. And it might be cold out and you might have to run the ball a lot. You got to have that that guy in your arsenal if it gets down to a nine to six game like it did last year against Michigan State. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, and Husker Online intern Allie Snow. Allie, have we talked to you since you got back from Chicago yet? No, I'm back from the dead. I've been MIA all summer. So. And remind all of our listeners, what were you doing all summer? Uh, so I was interning at the Big Ten Network in Chicago in the original programming department. I'm going to humble brag here, but we've had now three Husker Online interns intern at the btn matt reynoldson ali snow and grace Harmon. so they must like something about what goes on here the pipeline the pipeline <laughs> well we got a mailbag here you're back on the saddle uh, covering practices and, and on for another full year and we're excited to have you back ali what do you have to start uh, on the mailbag okay so nebraska basketball just got back in the states robin what have you heard about the team's experience in italy yeah i mean i follow pretty much all those guys on social media and you know was able to kind of keep tabs on their tours and all the sites that they saw you know as well as what happened on the court and um you know i think it's one of those deals like with most younger kids that they'll look back in 10 years and really appreciate this experience where you know now maybe they probably got a little worn out because they did a lot in a short amount of time i mean not only the basketball stuff but uh, i think they were traveling and like sightseeing places hours before playing a game and so I think they kind of got worn down a little bit uh, as the trip went on. You know, some of the posts were talking about how they can't wait to get home, and I think some guys are getting a little homesick. But I think all in all, uh, you know, this is one of those you know, once in a lifetime experiences for all those kids. I'm guaranteeing that uh, the majority of them, um, you know, I'm sure hardly any of them had ever been out of the country, uh, let alone uh, in another continent. Uh, and so to, you know, have that experience and see the things they did, do the things that they did. Uh, I, I think they loved it, and so and I thought the basketball thing uh, was was cool and all. But uh, for these guys personally um, and as a team together off the court, uh, like I said, that that's an invaluable experience for all of them. Switching over to football, who are the standouts on both offense and defense in fall camp so far? Well, I mean, you can't even go without saying Adrian Martinez. I mean, I, I think it's clear he is, you know, the guy that's going to make this all go. I mean, JD Spielman, but Wondell Robinson. Reese Washington, I think those two guys have had great camps. Um, and Dedrick Mills, I mean, they've all been impressive. 
um, you know, and, and the versatility I think the offense has. That's been a standout to me when you look at all the options um, that they have right now on offense. I think that is going to be the real weapon for Nebraska because they can create mismatches and find those with all the weapons they have on offense. Yeah, I mean, basically named all the guys. Uh, I, I left the defense. <laughs> left the defense. So, yeah, you covered offense. Uh, Nate will leave you with, like, special teams. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, defense, you know, I mean, they're they're the the known commodities. I mean, obviously, Muhammad Berry's Muhammad Berry, Darian Daniels, uh, the Davis twins. Uh, you know, that, that defensive line as a whole uh, seems to have been really good. Um, you know, but you know, some emerging guys at, at linebacker. You know, particularly Colin Miller, who Barrett Rude said is playing the best football of his life right now. Um, and then uh, Luke Reimer, who's been the, the story, is the, the freshman walk-on, working his way up to the second-string defense. Uh, and then the young guys in the secondary, you know, Cam Taylor, um, you know, no Paul Gates, uh, Quentin Newsom. Uh, there, there's a lot of guys, I think, in that uh, secondary, that defensive back group, that are making immediate impacts that um, are really going to live up to what this coaching staff wanted them to be. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> special teams, special teams. Yeah, well, talk about the punter competition. Yeah, the punter that we haven't seen. Yeah, but. We haven't. Yeah, we have no idea how that's going. Uh, no, I, yeah. I mean, there's been. I, to me, the big takeaway is just how many guys appear to be having a good fall camp so far. You know, it, I, I think in in years past, you you could probably maybe single out four or five guys that, that have made a big jump or that were really impressing almost on a daily basis. But, but now it seems to be, you know, all these guys are, you know, making a, a big impression and a lot of the new newcomers. I, I feel like that's maybe, um, maybe the most important thing is not only are you having returners that are continuing to play at a high level, but you're having a lot of fresh faces out there that are coming on the in offensive and, line. Yeah, too. Yeah. Playing very well. Any injury updates? It's been relatively status quo, but I, we know Cade Warner is battling something. Christian Gaylord, Wandell, and you know I know Joey Johnson has a hamstring. Um, he's been out for a number of practices. Alex Davis missed uh, missed some time. He's back though, right? Yeah, I mean, well, he was he was out on Wednesday riding the bike. He wasn't suited up, um, but I don't know if that's. I think a lot of this stuff is just camp stuff, load management. You know, you got guys that might be a little bit dinged up, and they're like, hey, just just back off a day. You know, we, we don't need to set anything further back than it needs to be. And they they wear like those those it's devices, cat- the catapult device, yeah. It measures, you know, how much how much they're running, you know. So as a skill position player during during a two hour fall camp practice, um, some of those skill guys, especially wide receivers, they, they can run six seven miles during during a practice, and so um, they're able to track all that. They're they're able to track obviously the heart rate and all that, and and I think uh, you know they get a they get a printout after every practice who who exerted, um, you know. X amount of energy and, and they're able to kind of monitor wear and tear and say, okay, well, we need to back this guy down um, in order to keep his legs fresh and, and kind of stave off any type of injury like that. So I, I do think like guys like Canavai Noah and, and Wandale Robinson, um, th- they could be prime candidates for, you know, the a that, rest day. Yeah. That, that load management to kind of back the, those guys down, especially, you know, if you know what you have in, in the certain players, you Cause know? that's what hamstrings get pulled and tweaked. Yeah. And yeah. When you're, when your legs are dead tired and, and you've got to go, you know, be explosive and, and you're covering that's six like, miles yeah. during a practice. Um, yeah, you're all of a sudden you're going to be you're going to be tweaking some things or pulling muscles. Be like a few years ago when Nebraska's entire wide receiver unit was out <laughs> with hamstring injuries. 
That's yeah, terrible. They kept that <laughs> they was couldn't even run a practice. It was un. I mean, yeah, and, and that was under Riley, right? Yes. Year two, yeah. Riley. Yes, and they, yeah, yeah. Like I can't remember what it strength was. and conditioning was not an issue for it though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. clearly. And so yeah, those guys were all like setting themselves back because again, the the coaching staff wasn't monitoring them uh, nearly as well as they should have. All right, we got time for two more, Allie. All right, so how do you think this staff would compare the speed of Ramir Johnson to that of Adrian Killens? Nate, that's all you, buddy. Well, Adrian Killens, I I don't know how many guys in college football are as fast as Adrian Killens. I mean, that's – he's probably – you know, if you're going to rank – just guys off pure speed. I think Killens would probably end up being in your your top five for sure. I, I would think at least. Uh, but Ramir Johnson, he has elite speed. He's a he's a verified track guy. You know the the crazy thing is there's a lot of track guys on this football team. You know when you look at Demarion Houston and, and Jamie Nance. Um, you know. And, um, you know, a lot, a lot of those guys are are you know sprinters, um, and and you know have have had great times or, or set some records wherever they came from. So and Ramir Johnson certainly fits in that category. So um, yeah, I think he's you know I think he's probably comparable, but I, I wouldn't say that he's faster or as fast quite as uh, Adrian Killens. All right, we got one final question here, Allie. What do you have to end us with? All right, Husker football aside, what would be your next favorite gig? As far as, like, in the media? Yeah, or anything. I kind of want to know what would be your second job. Oh, man. Well, my mom's a teacher. My dad had a teaching degree but went to the power company. My sister's a teacher. My wife's a teacher. My wife's my mother-in-law is a teacher, so... I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if I would have found myself into coaching and in some sort of teaching. I mean, that I could see myself doing that um, to an extent. Probably sales. I, I tend to talk and sell a lot of BS to you all you be, guys you every would day. You would be a premier travel agent. I've always said that. If you guys had any idea how far in advance Sean books our travel and gets us first-rate uh, amenities and hotels and rental cars and all that stuff. It, it's, 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 it would really be his next call. Here's one for opinion. you. So my friend, Randy, uh, wearing, he texts me, he goes, where are you guys staying at for Minnesota? I go, we're at the Renaissance downtown. I got a room for one thirteen, and he, he goes, I'm, I'll look right now. Three Oh nine. So what happens when you book your hotels a year in advance? <laughs> well, we, we book it before the Vikings release their yeah. schedule. We yep. obviously before they know loads of Nebraska fans are going to come into Minneapolis. The best part is I get to reap all the benefits of it. It's great. Like I don't have to do anything and I get first class. And the money that we save on hotel, we spend on steaks. Of course. Yeah. We have our, our big 10 steakhouse tour, which uh, we need to continue in year two. Yeah. Uh, for me, for me, I would be strictly a PR writer for the New York Giants. I don't want to write about anything bad, just all fluff, nothing but positive hype Instagram videos. posts. Yeah, yeah, all that stuff. Just like, <laughs> wow, so-and-so looks good. Daniel Jones throwing him on the dime. You know, that <laughs> the sort office of today. Take yeah, a that, picture of the practice. <laughs> the boys are getting back to work. Yeah, that, that sort of stuff. Yeah, so that, that would be my... I, would, I wouldn't want to do any of the bad stuff because, you know, that, that's when... That's when Nate, the you job worked, gets hard. Nate, you worked out of the business for years before you got back into it. So, I mean, you have a feel of both sides of it. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean... If I wasn't doing this, I'd probably still want to do something around sports, uh, maybe something with the White Sox. Um, you know, as, as, that's kind of my, you know, the team I root for. Um, but, yeah, it's yeah, – I don't know. I mean, maybe something with sales or, or um, you know, something like that. But yeah, I, I think if you're talking dream jobs, it would be probably working for the White Sox or covering the White Sox in some capacity or doing something around that. Allie, what's yours? 
Oh, dream like dream job right now. Like yeah, when you when, when you graduate in five years, where are we gonna see you and be like, she was our intern. I really okay. This is a very very um, far out there dream, but it would be great to work with Stephen A. Smith on first take, <laughs> like sitting, like just sitting there. And that's why you and David are such good friends. <laughs> Me and David on first take in five years, bickering back and forth. Oh boy! All right. Well, <laughs> we can only dream. Yeah. <laughs> well, one day. <laughs> well, Allie, thanks again for the mailbag, and uh, when we come back, we'll ra- wrap the show up. We're gonna. Go through a couple quick recruiting nuggets, but then we're going to share another installment of fall camp stories as it was, it's was. it been so popular the last few weeks. we got a few more good ones we're going to share next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. That was the only thing that ever made Coach Osborne mad enough to say dadgummit was if we turned it over in practice. So I might need to adopt that, but it's been pretty good on offense, I think, some of the turnovers we had have just been really good plays by the defense. That's great to see. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Final segment, what's typically a recruiting segment. We've kind of changed it a little bit here in fall camp because recruiting everywhere is kind of slowed down. Nate, we are going to talk a little recruiting here first, though, before we get into fall camp stories uh, from the past. In a minute or so, give Husker fans kind of what they should be watching here in recruiting. Well, the big news right now is is that uh, Nebraska does have a recruit that's set to make an announcement here in the in the coming week. Um, you know, it's Sevion Morrison, the running back out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. He has, uh, you know, Nebraska was actually the first team to to offer him. I think like last October, and they've been recruiting him, you know, as hard as anybody since that point in time. He took his official visit, his one and only official visit that he's taken, uh, mind you, towards the end of June and. Um, you know, the plan had been for him to commit before his senior season, and then he kind of backed off of that and said it was going to be like a December, January decision. And then now all of a sudden he's back on to committing on August 21st. And, and I think this is a, you know, this is a Nebraska lean, uh, I would say. Um, you know, I, I think it's Nebraska, Arkansas right now. And, and uh, you know, I know this is a player that Nebraska would really like to have wrapped up. Um, you know, he set the single season rushing record in Oklahoma last year. And so, uh, I mean, very productive kid, and, and we'll, we'll see what happens. But he could be the one that kind of breaks the uh, the commitment drought or whatever. Uh, maybe maybe gets recruiting gurus, recruiting fans uh, uh, a little less uh, anxious. All right, fall camp story time takes us today to Sam Keller. <laughs> Sam, Sam Keller. Woohoo! Um, well, that was a fun, fun time in Husker history. And I, I mean, I got along great with Sam. He was a great guy to deal with. Yeah. But his story, his arrival to Nebraska during fall camp of 2006. So Zach Taylor was finishing up. He had to sit out that year. It was an interesting time. I'll never forget, number one, Joey Gans, how upset he was when Sam Keller was brought in. He spoke to the media that day after practice, and I wish I had this somewhere. I still probably do at my house, but he just laid in. He goes, hey, I'll tell you this much. Sam Keller, he's going to have to come here. He's going to have to take the job for me. And, you know, they had a hell of a battle in camp um, that, you know, some say Gans did win that battle. Um, You would know better than others. But the first night, Nate, Sam Keller was in Lincoln. You were involved, first of all, with the pickup of him at the airport um, when he got to Lincoln. But – there were some interesting shenanigans that happened with him and Justin Tomerlin um, after that night. 
Yeah, I, I remember picking Sam up from the airport and, um, you know, obviously, you know, kind of introduce yourself and, and uh, we're driving back from the airport. And you know, I remember like one of the first things he starts asking, he's like, he's like, so what's the, you know, what's the, the vibe around Lincoln? You know, what's the party scene like? What are the girls like? And, and I'm like, okay, well, this is uh, the, the, the word on the street, obviously, before he arrived was that he'd like to have a good time. And so uh, that was confirmed, like within, <laughs> within about the first five, 10 minutes that, that he was uh, that he was here. And uh, I, I basically I spent that entire day with him, uh, you know, got him back to to uh, the facility. And then, um, you know, we we're going from point A to point B in terms of, you know, just getting getting paperwork done, getting him uh, getting him all uh, taking him over to the, the clinic to get his physical done and, and all that stuff. And um, you know, he, he, he ended up leaving his book bag in my car for like a month. Are we going to get into what was in the backpack? Well, no, probably not. But, uh, but yeah, it was, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was interesting, um, uh, some interesting stuff in, in the, in the backpack. And, um, but yeah, I mean, the guy, the guy liked to have fun. He was, he was not, um, I don't know. He was not your typical quarterback. I, I think most quarterbacks are, are pretty, you know, dialed in and, and all business. And, um, Sam, Sam would, He'd like to have a good time. So the the story though that <laughs> night when they got to Lincoln, Justin of all the guys on that 06 team that you probably didn't want Sam Keller to meet, yeah. the first guy he met was the late Justin Tomerlin, and and Justin was in his mid twenties or early twenties, you know, because he he was like a sixth seventh year college guy at that point because of his path that he was on and had a long traveled history of partying and and having a good time and hooks up with Keller and says, Hey, let's go, let's go out and have a good time tonight. And they hit it hard on the town. And they say, Hey, you know, there's a great after hours party in the duplexes at some of the guys on the team or whatnot. And it's, it's that part of Lincoln where all the duplexes look the same. So you could easily just walk into the wrong one. Well, Keller and Tomerlin walk into the wrong duplex and they just kind of start to make themselves at home, go in the bathroom. And it was a duplex that a bunch of females lived in. And the cops got called, everybody came, but somehow nothing ever got out about this. No tickets were written or, or nothing made the papers. But I was told, Nate, Sam Keller spent his first night in Lincoln in his car. He fell asleep or they weren't in condition to drive and he slept in a car. Yeah, I can I can confirm that. And it, it was not Sam didn't have a car. Um, I picked him up from the airport, so I knew it was Justin's like little I, car. I think he it drove. was I think it was Tomerlin's car uh, that that they uh, they ended up spending the night in. Um, and, and to their credit, you know, at least they didn't drive, I guess. But but yeah, that was um, you know what a way to kick off your <laughs> your career in, in Nebraska. Well, he I mean he he wasn't ter- I mean his last game as a quarterback he left the game it was like 17 to 3 they were beating Texas and and he was playing a heck of a game in Austin until they decided to play Jamal Charles and switch quarterbacks from Colt McCoy to the whoever the other guy was at Texas at that time they they went with more of a dual threat guy to run the zone read mm-hmm. and then the defense just went to hell Charles went for like 200 yards in a quarter um, when he went out of the game but Anyway, Sam Keller brought back a lot of memories. Robin, we had another one we wanted to bring up, and, and you could jump in on this one. Uh, Sean Fisher and kind of what that did to fall camp that year for the media and, and kind of triggering Bo Pelini. Yeah, so for those who don't remember, Sean suffered a broken leg. Severe injury. Yeah, it was a pretty major broken leg during one of the practices, and 
um, I don't know, word got out on our message board and, you know, on, on social media and it was quickly buzzing around. Well, somebody, uh, one member of the media decided to call, uh, Sean's parents and ask him about, I think they tried to, he called Sean, called Sean. Yeah. And basically just tried to confirm the injury through him or them. Uh, and that, that got back to Bo and that was one of Bo's very strict rules. And you know, it's a good rule. You don't need to be calling people's parents to see if a kid got hurt. Uh, but that next day, uh, at the next media availability, uh, before, as soon as practice got over, Bo walked over to us like he normally does and says, everybody turn the cameras off, recorders off, everybody come over here. And he basically like made us do a little semicircle around him and lectured us, uh, like a teacher to a class that had been acting up about, uh, you know, how he has rules and he's very disappointed in us. And, uh, basically, yeah, like, like a we parent. were shut out of practice though yeah. for a week. Yeah. And so he's, he basically said that, uh, there's gonna be no more access for, you know, he, I guess he, it was indefinite amount of time when he said it would end up being a week and, uh, <laughs> all because somebody decided to go rogue and, uh, break one of the rules and Bo made sure that everyone paid for it. And fall camp just brings like those tense moments. I mean, you just always have things. August is heat depth mm-hmm. chart things. I mean, look at I remember when Brett Qualley took reps from Tyler Moore. Like Tyler Moore stormed out and like left Lincoln the next day. I mean, yep. you get a lot of just drama like that, Nate, in fall camp. Yeah, you really do. You know, one thing I was thinking about with uh, the arrival of Jakeem Green this past week was. Um, the arrival of Matt Slauson, who was at the Air Force uh, Academy Prep School or Air Force Prep School, whatever you want to call it, um, and and I don't, I still to this day don't quite know how Dennis Wagner, the former offensive line coach, uh, found out about Matt Slauson. But anyway, they came up on a visit, and things moved real fast. Obviously, you it was know, kept quiet. Though. It was yeah, it was very very quiet. Uh, he kept he came up on a visit. And uh, next thing you know, you know, he's he's getting uh, we're getting him ready to go for fall camp. And I remember uh, much like Sam Keller, I was I was taking slossing around from from uh, point A to point B, making making sure everything, you know, his housing and, and uh, you know, the physical and everything was all done. And we go over this the student health clinic uh, to get his physical. And the guys have to obviously they see a doctor or whatever and, and uh, the trainers, but they have to go over to the the. Uh, the student clinic to get like an EKG done and uh, to make sure their heart's okay so they can start physical activity. And, and uh, so they do the EKG and whatever else on Slauson and, and uh, the doctor or the nurse gave me the results and they're like, well, we can't clear him yet. You, you, we got to take this stuff to, over to, uh, over to the, the universe or the athletic departments, uh, training staff and whatnot. And, and uh, it turned out that, um, you know, the, the next day or, or later on, um, we, I was running back and forth between the, the health clinic and, and the athletic department. Um, they told me, they, they go, well, he's got an abnormally large heart. He's got like a horse heart. Uh, <laughs> he's a massive human being, but his heart is like the size of a horse's is, is what they told me. Um, and I don't know if that was an exaggeration or what, but the, he had to go see like a, a specialist or see a special doctor to make sure that everything was okay. And, and obviously it was, and um, you know, and he, he goes on to have a great career at Nebraska and, and in the NFL, but I'll never forget that the, um, and, and they probably shouldn't have told me that, I guess, but when, when the, they go, well, Matt Slauson has the, the heart, the size of a horse. <laughs> And it, it like raised a red flag, uh, but yeah, it was just it got me thinking. Like 
you know, the, the whole process of getting Jakeem Green in, everything that has to happen. And um, it was, you know, similar with, uh, with Slauson uh, to a certain degree. But, you know, something that like that can hold things up. Well, for, that's why they get these guys days. here in May and June yeah. to get all that done with. Exactly. And, and um, yeah, when you're, when you're doing that at the 11th hour, you know, right as fall camp has started or, or shortly after it has started, uh, there's, there's always certain things that pop up, uh, whether it's academic related or, or health related. So, uh, but yeah, the whole Jakeem Green thing made me remind or reminded me of uh, Matt Slauson right. and Our- his heart. All right, we might have one more installment of fall camp stories in the final week of camp next week as we'll we'll shift back over to the regular recruiting segment, but it's been a lot of fun just sharing some of these great stories from the past as that wraps it up here for another edition of the Husker Online Show. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.